the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. We pray that through this message, you will learn how to apply God's Word and truth to your life. Stay with us as we discover God's truths that will transform us. As I'm laying out this message for you, poison, toxicity in your soul will not only destroy you, they will just, it will destroy the relationships in your life. It certainly will diminish the relationships of your life. So here's what I'm going to do for the next few moments. I'm going to lay out four of the most common poisons that get into people's souls, okay? It's not complicated, but I'm going to share with you tonight. You can probably say, oh, I kind of knew that, but I'm not, I'm asking you to go beyond, yeah, I kind of knew that too. I really need to know that, okay? Because it's one thing to say, yeah, I kind of knew that, but it's another thing when you say, I really needed to know that for me, okay? I needed to understand this in my own life. And so we're going to look at four sort of basic categories or four aspects of poison that will get into your soul and not only ruin you, but ruin your relationships. The first one, very common, very real, it's the poison of fear. I would submit to you tonight that one of the most prevalent ways the the devil, our adversary, adversary traffics in our life is through this very thing called fear. Fear is a big deal, okay? I tell you what we've gone through this last year has generated, rightly so in some ways in terms of just the caution in which we've had to live by and so forth, but above and beyond that, I think the devil's had a heyday trying to generate a lot of fear inside of all of us, right? And in many different ways, the adversary is one of his tricks, as we'll see in a moment, going back to the very beginning of time, that fear, when fear gets in your soul, fear does a lot of damaging things to you and a lot of damaging things to your relationships. What is the origin of fear in humanity? The origin of fear in humanity goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 3. When Adam and Eve sinned against God, God said, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And Adam and Eve ate of that tree instead. As soon as they did, they recognized, oh, we've sinned against God. They realized they were naked. And the Bible says something about this in Genesis chapter 3, verse number 8. Notice what happens then. Then the man and his wife heard, they've, they've formed fig leaves to cover themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And what did they do? They, they hid from the Lord. So now hiding. They'd never in their entire experience hidden from anybody. They'd not hidden from each other. They'd not hidden from God. But suddenly because of this broken relationship with God, they hid from him, hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was... We're three chapters into the Bible and suddenly now what has appeared? Fear was never there before. 
Fear never existed. Adam and Eve did not even understand the concept of fear prior to their fall into sin. He says, I, I, I now realize that, that I had a broken relationship with you, God, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Here's what I want you to understand. Fear always attacks intimacy. Fear always attacks intimacy. And what is one of the most valuable things in a relationship? I'm not talking about physical intimacy. I'm talking about emotional intimacy. When I say I want to get to know you as a person, I'm saying I want to learn more about you. I want to have some some transparency so we can really get to know each other at a level where we can appreciate who one another may be. And so that's what intimacy is. And so fear always attacks intimacy. Did Adam's Adam's sin against God affect his intimacy with God? Why? Because he was afraid and he started to hide. And so the Bible's very, very clear about that. It was a direct result of sin. Adam and Eve felt fear. Now, fear will poison the relationships of your life. Let me mention several ways that fear will poison the relationships of your life. Think with me for a moment how fear affects you in a relationship. It affects your security and what you tend to have is insecurity if you're afraid. And have you ever made some really bad decisions in a relationship because you were insecure and your insecurity caused you to do things or connect with people that were not good for you in your life? It was all based in fear. Fear creates worry. Worry goes to war against relationships. You get two people that are worrying and anxious and concerned about stuff. It's hard for them to communicate. It's hard for them to connect. It results in intimidating behaviors. What I've learned about this over the years is that when people are intimidated themselves, oftentimes they try to intimidate others to protect themselves. And so a lot of people who appear to be very intimidating externally, the reality is they're very intimidated themselves. And so they're using intimidation as a defense mechanism in their life. It's fear behind all of it. Fear will lead you to isolation. How many people just isolate themselves because they're afraid? It leads to domination control. A lot of people who are afraid want to control everything in their life. Now, all those things that I've mentioned, insecurity, and and another one I would mention is jealousy, and envy, and worry, and intimidation, and isolation, and control. Are any of those things good for a relationship? There's not a single one of those things that are good for any relationship in your life. They will always be counterproductive to relationships. So let me talk to you about how you get out of fear. Anybody would like to break the pattern of fear in your life? How do we break the pattern of fear? I'm going to give you a simple process. It's it's simple, but it's hard to do. Even though it's simple concepts, we have to work to do this. The first thing you have to do to break fear is you have to give God the control of your life. As long as you're controlling your life, you're going to be in trouble because controlling your life generates fear because you can't control your life. So as soon as you're trying to control your life, you're, you're worried about this and you're concerned about that and you're, you don't know what's coming down the road this way or what's coming down the road that way. And so this, this aspect of living is very fatiguing. It is, it is tiring to try to be God. It's really tiring because only God can be God. And so if you're trying to control your life, you're going to be very, very, not only tired and fatigued, but you're going to be continually battling this thing called fear. And so at some point, you've got to come to this place and say, God, I just give it 
up to you. I can't control my life, but I know that you can. We'll get to the essence of that in just a moment. Here's some scriptures. Here's one example of that. Don't be anxious. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present, give your request to God, the Bible says. And so when you and I come to God, we say, God, we're going to just put it all over on you. Take a look at this verse right here in Deuteronomy 31, verse 8. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. There's a promise that's given to us. Here's the second thing that is essential to this. It goes along with the first. Trust in God's love and care for you. This is how you get rid of fear in your life. When fear comes in, number one, I got to give this to God. I can't control this. I've got to turn it over to him. I can't handle it myself. And then I'm going to trust in the fact that God loves me and God cares about me. Now, if God loves you, is he going to do what's best for you? If he cares about you, is he going to take care of everything that goes on in your life? Can you have the confidence that you can trust God? And does that not bring peace to your life? Take a look at this particular verse. Psalm 56, verses 3 and 4. The Bible says, when, or the psalmist prays, when I am afraid, I put my trust in myself. Is that what it says? No, when I'm afraid, I put my trust in you, in God, whose word I praise. In God, I trust and am not afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Now, some of you are saying, I don't understand what trust is. Yes, you do. You're demonstrating it right now. A few moments ago when we all sat down, and when I said, let's sit down after worship, you sat down. I didn't see a single one of you check your seat out to make sure it was going to handle you. You plopped yourself right down without thinking about it. That's called trust. That's all it is. Trust is not complicated. Trust is saying, God, I'm just going to plop myself right down on you and have confidence that you're going to be able to handle everything going on in my life. Let's go now to the next thing. There is no fear in love, but perfect love does what? It drives out what? Fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. It's a confidence of love. Here's our third thing that's necessary for overcoming fear. You have to do what? Reject. Let me give you the most simple definition I can give you for reject. If you are at your house and the UPS guy comes or the Amazon guy comes or whoever comes to bring you the stuff that you order and they show up at your house and they hand you a package and it has the wrong name on it, you never ordered it, it doesn't belong to you, what will you do? Well, I guess I'll just take it. They brought it to my house, okay? <laughs> Return to reject it. So I don't, that pa- package is not mine, okay? So when the devil shows up in your life, when fear starts coming your way, you and I have to practice, it's not easy, but we have to practice saying, no, we don't take those packages here. This is not fear. We don't let fear come through the door of our house. No, this is a no fear zone. We don't accept that package when it comes. And you have to stand up against it. You have to rise up and say, no. See, a rejection is no, I'm not going to take that. No, it's not going to be mine. No, I will not receive that 
package. And the Bible is also very clear on this rejection of fear thing. Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and of self-discipline. You can say no. That's what self-discipline is all about. Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Now, if God says do not, does God say do not about a lot of things, right? Do not lie, do not commit, commit murder. We could go on and on all the do nots that God says. Well, here's another do not. What is the do not here? Do not what? Do not be afraid. Don't accept it in your life. That's not saying that you and I will not feel those emotions at times. We all feel them, but we need to reject the package and send it back. And then the next thing, last thing I'll mention here is be confident that you matter to God. It goes back to what we've talked about before, Jeremiah 29, verse 11. Would you read this together with me? For I, this is God speaking, for I know, read it with me, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper for you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. God is not going to harm you. He's not going to harm you. Let's go to the next one. I'm going to cover these. Got to move quickly. The next one is the, the poison of the past. This is the second kind of poison that will really, really get you into trouble. The past is like baggage that you carry with you. We've, we talked about that before. It involves the sins and failures and mistakes of your life. It involves the hurt that you may experience. It might be a resentment that you have towards someone that you haven't processed. It's still inside of you. It might be enmeshments as relationships that, that, that you need to let go of in your life because they're still holding you back in the past. Somebody's still holding on to your life in some way and you're enmeshed in that relationship. You haven't let it go. It might be regrets if I'd only done this or only done that. What you need to understand is that God wants to help you to get rid of all that is is a burden to your life and all it is is poison to your relationships. If you're always dragging your past with you, listen, you don't have energy. You don't have the energy necessary to deal with the present because you only have a certain amount of bandwidth in your life. Just like anything else, you only have a certain amount of energy and you don't have the energy to deal with yesterday and to deal with the future, trying to control that. You have nothing left for the present, okay? And the only time you can actually live as it's been said, the present is called the present because it's a present, okay? It's your gift. It's what the only thing you have in your life right now is right now. You don't even know if you're going to be here tomorrow, okay? And if you're living in the past or trying to live in the future, you, you don't have any bandwidth for right now in your life. And so I want to help you really quickly here to understand how to offload this stuff. Here's the thing you have to do. Make sure you're receiving God's forgiveness. Our God is a forgiving God. If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you, and he wipes the slate completely clean. He no longer remembers your sins against you. That is extremely important to understand. God forgives when you and I confess and turn away. And then you have to forgive yourself. 
This is the big part for a lot of people. What benefit are you receiving from continuing to condemn yourself for something that is in your past? What good is it doing you? It's doing you absolutely no good at all. If God has forgiven you, then you need to then forgive yourself. And then the next thing you have to do is invite God to heal your wounds. There are wounds that are left in your life from past relationships, past mistakes, past things that have happened. Yes, you and I have scars, but you can invite him. The Bible says, by his stripes, we were healed. By his stripes, our wounds are made whole. The Bible is very clear about the fact that God loves to heal the brokenhearted. The next thing that is valuable here is to forgive people fully from the heart. You can't carry that person around with you. Some of you are still carrying people around in your heart that you haven't seen for 10 years, but you're still mad at them about something and they're still living in you. They've gone on in their life and doing all kinds of other things, but you still carry them around with you because you haven't let them go. Go ahead and forgive them and release them. It's doing you absolutely no good at all. The next one's very similar. Let go of enmeshments. What I mean by that is if you're still hanging on to a relationship that was back there somewhere and you haven't cut the strings of your heart from that thing, you need to get out some Holy Ghost scissors and go ahead and cut that tie and say, that one doesn't exist in my life anymore. I'm not going to let that thing be a part of that relationship. Continue to hound me. It's over with. It is done. Look, if they walked out of your life, you need to let them go too. There's people, you're dragging people around with you. Well, why am I so tired? I know why you're so tired. Because you're dragging all your past around with you. And people that you need to let go of, they're no good for you anymore. Just go ahead and get those Holy Ghost scissors out and say, goodbye. Here's the key. Redeem your regrets by redefining them as lessons. When you look back on your life and you say, that was a mess. Why not? It didn't stop thinking that way and say, what did I learn from that? All that was, I paid for some education. Education always costs you something. And sometimes it costs you some mistakes along the way. But if you'll redeem it from a regret into a lesson that you learn, then it has value in your life. Can I get an amen as we move on? All right. I'm just moving through these things quickly. Next one is the poison of present practices and patterns. This is extremely uh, uh, important to grasp as well. Quite often, the, the poison that's getting in your soul, sometimes it's not coming from your past. Sometimes it actually is coming from your present by some of the stuff that you're doing right now, by the ways that you think. You know, you can poison yourself by your own thinking. The way you and I think before long, I can think myself into a pretty deep hole. Can you? You ever done that before? Like, how did I get here? Oh, I dug my own pit, okay? I dug my own pit with my thinking. And so if you're thinking in certain patterns, this is why the Bible says you need to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And a good way to do that is just plug real quickly here. If you haven't gotten into the book, Unleashed, that's a great way to begin to learn who you are in Christ and understand the affirmations that need to be a part of your life. And there's some, re, uh, some copies out in the, in the resource area out there, but I would, that's a good way to start the renewing process. You can pollute yourself by the way you think. You're just polluting your mind with thoughts that are negative or thoughts that are contrary to who you want to be. You can pollute yourself by, by your behavior. You know, you, the, 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 if you watch certain things on television or certain movies, you know what you're doing oftentimes? You're just drinking poison. 
just by what you're watching. Because what you're watching on television or the movie you went to is not consistent with your Christian values anyway. And so what are you doing? You're just pouring stuff inside to your soul, okay? Because the gateway to your soul are your eyes and your ears primarily. And so you're pouring that poison in and you're wondering, why am I having so much trouble in my life? And the way you're choosing to handle your emotions. Anything that's in the present, you have to stop and say, wait a minute, is there some poisonous ways that I'm processing things in my life right now? Notice Ephesians 4, 17 and 18. So I tell you this, Paul says, and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do. He was referring to people there who didn't have a relationship with God and the futility of their think as wasteful thinking, bad thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Notice that their thinking process, how they're choosing to live is affecting what they're Hearts, notice this passage. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And then Galatians 5, 19 through 21, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are clear, sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit, will not experience, if you will, the benefits of the kingdom of God. I want to experience the benefits of the kingdom of God. How about you? And so if I'm going to experience the benefits of the kingdom of God, I've got to pay attention to the choices I'm making in my life now to make sure I'm not poisoning myself without even realizing it. Last thing we'll conclude with today is the poison, what I would call, actually we'll skip that one, I'll come back to it later, the poison of self in our lives that we actually have to get ourselves off of the throne of our lives. I've told you before, the best way to define sin is S-I-N and the central word, in, the central letter in S-I-N is I. That's right in the center of it, right? Okay. So I want to do this. I don't care what God says. I want to do this. So self-centered living or self-righteous living or self-sabotaging living or self-pitying living or self-victimizing living or self-destructive living, all those things what do they have at the center of them? Self. As long as we make ourself the center of our lives, concern only about ourselves, then we're going to find that our life is going to be poisoned because you were not made by God to live just for you. And as long as all you're thinking about or all that I'm thinking about is myself, it's going to lead me to poisonous things inside of my soul. Jesus said, Ask the question, what is the most important commandment of all? We started with this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Notice it didn't, he, he brought those two together. I've heard it described this way, and I would probably describe it just quite a little bit different, but I'll give it to you this way because it's, I think it's meaningful. Maybe it's a good acronym to receive in your life to think about this. How many of you want joy in your life? 
right? We all want joy. I want more joy in my life. One of the best ways to get joy in your life, I was taught, I was taught this in Sunday school back when I was a little kid, and I've remembered it my entire life. Don't always practice it, but try to. That the pathway to joy is as simple as three little words, okay? Always put Jesus first. That's where it all starts. We talked about that earlier. Always includes, always include others in your life, thinking about them and what their needs are. And then always know that yourself comes last in the sense of your, 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 your passion for just what you want to do in your life. Don't, put, don't ever put it before Jesus. Always keep it at a place where he is always in charge of your life. And the Bible, and the Bible I think, is very clear that these principles do work in our life. Jesus first, always make room for others, and never let self be the dominating force in your life. When you and I make that choice, we're able to more fully experience this pathway toward joy. Perhaps as you have been listening to today's broadcast, you felt a stirring in your heart, something that reminded you that you need to get something right in your life with God. The first way to start in that journey with God is to open your heart to Jesus Christ, to make Him the Lord of your life, to turn over all your life to Him. And that begins with a very simple prayer. I want to lead you in that prayer right now, and it's a prayer that you can pray right where you are. Say these words, Jesus I invite you into my life today to forgive me of all my sins. I need you. I want you. I want you to take charge of my life. Be my Lord and Savior in Jesus' name. Now, if you just prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says, when we call on God's name, when we call on the name of His Son, Jesus, there is salvation that is brought to our lives. He changes us from the inside out. And the Bible says that if any person is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And that's what's happened to you today as you've opened your heart to Christ. Let me encourage you. You need to take the next step. The next step is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church where you're studying God's Word. And make sure you get a copy of God's Word and begin to read it. Spend some time each day in prayer. You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. If you would like more information, please visit our website at church-redeemer.org. May God bless you and make you a blessing.